Developed international stocks have been strong performers this year, but what's behind the latest upswing and how can you take advantage of the trend? Plus, we'll tell you about one industry sector seeing a nice boost in merger activity that's helped lift performance. Paul Bayaki with SSNC Alps Advisors joins us right after this. Welcome to the program. I'm Thalia Hayden. It's great to have you watching. Be sure to subscribe to ETF Guide TV and post thoughts in our YouTube comment section below. Stocks in Europe and other developed international markets have delivered strong returns this year. After years of lagging performance to U.S. markets, the tide could be turning. What's driving the upswing and how can you participate? Joining us now is Paul Bayaki with SSNC Alps Advisors. Paul, great to see you again and welcome back. Nice to see you as well. Thanks for having me. Now, during the pandemic, the biotech sector was under intense scrutiny and pressure. And while some of the attention has dissipated, the innovation remains. The Alps Medical Breakthroughs ETF had a strong first quarter, rising almost 10%. So what's behind the big move? S-Bio started to bottom really in March. And coming out of March, we started to see some rallies in some of these biotech names, which is a pond that S-Bio fishes in. But I think importantly, in April, we saw liftoff, if you will. The portfolio itself was up 10% in April alone. And that was largely driven by, as you mentioned, some significant acquisition activity. Three of the holdings in S-Bio were acquired in, or announced acquisitions in April alone. Some of those at significant premiums to their current market prices. In the case of Bella's Health, for example, 100 plus percent premium to the, to the market price at the announcement of the acquisition. So you had, on the one hand, these big, meaty acquisition announcements, which led to big pops in some of the holdings. None of them are massive weightings in S-Bio, but that certainly supports performance. And then you also had some positive results for, from some drug trials. Remember, S-Bio is a portfolio that focuses on companies that have drugs in a certain phase of the FDA process. So you're not necessarily only holding biotechnology firms who have drugs that are ideas or technology that are ideas. These are drugs and technologies that are at least in some phase of the FDA trial process. And that means that these companies, in theory, are further along in the development of their technology and of their drugs. Now, it's a very risky space, as you know, and ultimately, many of the companies in the biotechnology category will inevitably fail. But what S-Bio does differently than a lot of portfolios in the category is it focuses on the SMID space, it focuses on companies in phase two or beyond of the FDA process, and it focuses on companies with enough cash to sort of manage through the process of getting through drug trials. So ultimately, you benefit from acquisition activity as we've seen. You benefit from positive trial results in some of the drugs that are in that trial process. But also, one of the things that I think is, is going on in the market is sort of pent up demand by large pharmaceutical companies to acquire some of these smaller drug companies because a lot of these larger companies have patent cliffs. They have company, they have drugs that are going the way of the dinosaur in terms of going to generics and they need to supplement that cash flow that they generated from those drugs with new drugs. And 
logically it makes sense that they would acquire companies who either have drugs that are approved or drugs that are at at the very least close to being approved. And we've already seen so far a tremendous amount of deal activity in the space. In fact, we're almost at the same level we saw in all of 2022 in terms of, in terms of total deal value so far in 2023. So it's been a, a really ripe environment for these companies really over the course of the past month and a half. Makes sense. Now, fear of economic recession hasn't slowed down certain pockets of the equity market. The Alps International Sector Dividend Dogs ETF has delivered strong results since the start of the year. Now, the strong rebound in European stocks hasn't hurt either. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So I think coming into the year, one of the the big popular trades, if you look at buy side research, sell side research, you look at some of the home office research at some of the big wires or some of the big independent broker dealers was to start tilting toward XUS because in theory, the dollar was starting to show signs of rolling over. That typically helps XUS markets. You look at the valuation spread between Europe and the United States and some of these EFA categories in the United States. And those stocks in Europe and in EFA more broadly were trading at a discount to their U.S. counterparts on things like price to book, price to sales, and price to earnings. And so it was a popular trade coming into the year. And specifically, Europe is a segment of the market, as you mentioned, that's done really well since the fall. But I think it's important to note that what IDOG does, similar to what SDOG does domestically, is it looks for high-yielding stocks in that universe. And it's outperformed EFA so far in 2023, partly because it has a tilt toward value companies as a result of that yield-oriented methodology, but also a cyclical value bias. So it's also given you exposure to some key financial companies in Europe without getting exposure to the worst financial companies. It gives you exposure to some major telecom companies, for example, which are underweight in the EFA version of a developed markets portfolio. So what IDOG does well, similar to what SDOG does well, is it targets cyclical value stocks with, on a relative basis, higher yields. And when you think about the balanced exposure that you get to sectors in IDOG like you do in SDOG, it's provided so far in 2023 a really strong value proposition for investors who have taken the advice of some of those buy side, sell side, and home office research folks who are saying to start diversifying away from the U.S. and, and perhaps start circumventing, if you will, some of that home country bias that we see historically. Got it. Quality is among the factor tilts that have been working well this year. The Alps O-Shares Europe Quality Dividend ETF screens for companies with strong balance sheets and profitability. Why is quality an important factor for stock market investors in this type of environment? Well, I think what's going on domestically with some of these regional banks and with some of the banking institutions here in the United States underscores how important it is to focus on quality, not just at a high level, but within a given sector. And when you look at OUR, it screens for high quality balance sheets, it screens for higher dividend growth, it screens for lower volatility stocks. And those are the types of things that in theory, you want to be focused on at the company level and then in aggregate in a portfolio setting 
in an environment like we're in, where inflation is running higher, interest rates have risen, and are expected to at the very least be higher than what they've been over the course of the past decade or so, in an environment where rates are higher or the cost of capital is higher, companies without strong balance sheets that have to go into capital markets and refinance and to borrow more will be in trouble because of that higher borrowing cost environment. Now, OUSM, which is a small cap version of OUR and OUSA, is really interesting and it's a perfect example of the quality factor in practice because if you look at OUSM versus say the Russell 2000 or the Russell 2000 value, it has significant exposure to the financial sector, but it doesn't have any exposure to regional banks, doesn't have any exposure to banking institutions. It's tilted toward capital markets companies and insurance companies, which on a relative basis have held up pretty well compared to regional banks and banks more broadly. And if you look at the Russell 2000, it's got 9%. In regional banks. If you look at the Russell 2000 value, which is the prospectus benchmark for OUSM, it's got as much as 18% in regional banks. So quality is an important factor in this stage of the economic cycle, but it becomes even more acute in an environment where you have interest rates well above where they've been historically, certainly in recent times, and an environment in which small caps, which if you look at the index, 30% of the or so of those companies just don't make any money or aren't profitable, that can be a challenging prospect in an environment where the cost of capital is elevated. So screening for quality, screening for low volatility, screening for dividend growth can help insulate somewhat a portfolio of small caps from some of the perils of the economic backdrop. Understood. Now, one final question before you go. Demand for investments with high dividends and yields remain. For income investors, Alps offers access to different income solutions like SDOG and AMLP. What trends in the income market are you observing? Well, we're certainly on a day-to-day basis engaging with advisors who are looking for ways to generate income from the equity sleeve of their investment portfolio. And Frankly, for the first time ever, you've got competition from fixed income markets for yield from the equity sleeve of a portfolio. Because if you look at the yield on a money market strategy north of 4%, you look at the yield on a short-term treasury bill north of 4%, that's real competition that equities haven't had for quite some time. And so what we talk to advisors often about is the nature of where the yield is coming from, the nature of how that yield is being generated. Just as we talked about with the O-Share suite, O-USA and O-USM and O-E-U-R, the quality tilt in the methodology helps ensure that the income that you're generating from the portfolio is at the very least being generated by companies with better quality balance sheets. In the case of, say, SDOG, you're looking at a balanced sector profile because you don't have significant overweights to any one sector relative to the benchmark because ultimately it gives you balanced sector exposure. So you mitigate some of the overweights and biases inherent in a dividend strategy towards something like utilities or staples or healthcare by balancing that sector exposure, which can, in theory, in a market where people are looking for income from the equity sleeve of their portfolio, be beneficial. The same holds true with AMLP. And I think AMLP is unique because these are a very unique corporate structure, master limited partnerships. Historically, these are companies that have had a lot of leverage, who have had things like incentive distribution rights that complicated 
the investor's experience. But now in this current context where they've gone to great lengths to clean up their balance sheets, to delever, they're generating free cash flow in a way that they haven't in the past. So the support mechanism, free cash flow for the distributions that they're paying is much different than where they've been in the past. And so even though it's an income oriented vehicle, the nature of what's supporting those distributions is much different than it one what it was five, six, even 10 years ago. And that's important. And it's important consideration for advisors as they look for yield in the equity sleeve of their portfolio. Paul, thank you so much for your timely insights and good work. Thank you, Thalia. Good to see you again. And be sure to visit alpsfunds.com to learn more about the ETF lineup at SSNC Alps Advisors. I'm Thalia Hayden with ETF Guide. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. Thank you.